I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Morning. This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Shadow Rising, please proceed with caution. You think that means it's done, Perrin said? Do you really think they will be satisfied with the coffins and the Luhans, with two farms burned? Which of you will be next? Maybe because you said the wrong thing, or just to make an example. It could be the White Cloaks putting a torch to this house instead of Trollocs. Or maybe it'll be the dragon's fangs scrawled on your door some night. There are always folk who believe that kind of thing. A number of eyes darted to a dean, who shifted her feet and hunched her shoulders. Even if all it means is having to tug your forelock to every white cloak who comes along, do you really want to live that way? Your children? You're at the mercy of the Trollocs, the mercy of the white cloaks, and the mercy of anybody with a grudge. As long as one has a hold on you, all three do. You're hiding in the cellar, hoping one rabid dog will protect you from another, hoping the rats don't sneak out in the dark and bite you. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 28 to 33 of The Shadow Rising. Note, I have not read past chapter 33, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Shadow Rising or the next 10 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 33, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries for this section, as always, from dragonmount.com. Perrin enters the wolf dream and finds a man called Slayer there in the flesh and murdering wolves. Perrin chases Slayer to the Tower of Genje, where the long-dead hero Brigitte warns him not to enter. Perrin finds the Althor farm burned to the ground. He tries to leave Fail behind, but she catches up to him at the Winespring Inn in Emmonsfield. Perrin learns that his family have all been murdered, supposedly by Trollocs, and that Patton Fane is with the White Cloaks who kidnapped Matt's family and the blacksmith. Fael convinces Perrin not to give him himself up to the White Cloaks. Mr. Salvier takes Perrin's group to the place Tam Althor and Abel Cawthon are hiding. They meet a pair of warders on the way. Hiding with Tam and Abel are Varen and Alana Sadai, who come to the two rivers looking for girls who could channel. Perrin discusses how to rescue the prisoners from the White Cloaks. Dane Bornhold castigates Ordith, Patton Fane, for getting his men killed. It was Ordith, not Trollocs, who killed Perrin's family. Ordith is keeping a Merdral prisoner. Perrin's party stops at the Alcine farm on their way north. Perrin explains why the White Cloaks want him. Lord Luke, a supposed hunter for the Horn, joins Perrin's party at the farmhouse. Luke has been giving the farmers bogus advice. Perrin convinces the Alcine family and others to abandon their farm and take refuge in Emmonsfield. Some of the young men follow him north. Perrin sneaks into the White Cloak camp and frees the Emmonsfielders. Varen makes it rain to cover their escape and they set off hunting Trollocs. So it was Brigitte that was talking to Perrin? Yeah. Okay. Basically, anytime you hear about a, like, mythical figure with a braid and a bow, it's Brigitte. Okay. I forget about her, so I'm going to... That's fair. You've told me this. I'm not going to remember. Yeah. So... She's, you know, a legendary hero. No big deal. Anyway, this is one roller coaster of a section. We start off at, like, a fun, like, oh, yeah... You know they're traveling. They're going. They're going back home, even though things okay. are bad. And then it, it no, it's slowly... not. It doesn't start out fun. It starts out with Perrin's going to go get himself hanged, and then it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That does happen. <laughs> and then it gets worse. Is very true. But then it it ends with Perrin like 
kind of on top on, of this, like, budding resistance movement. It does. It still gets worse, though. It does. Especially because, yeah, okay, now that you're thinking about it, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, yeah, they're, they're traveling and they're flirting and the Aiel is there and Loyal's having it. Loyal's just it's having like a time. It's like that for, like, three pages and then we get to... <laughs> and then we get to the Althor farm, which is burned down. <laughs> And then he has a dream, which is just totally fucked up. And then we get to the inn, and then they're like, oh, by the way, your entire family that you went on for two paragraphs about your exci- you being excited to see them, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, like all of them. All of them. Yeah. All of the livestock are dead, too. So if you had, like, a favorite pig, gone. Right. I mean, not that I know. Farmers don't have favorite pigs. I don't know, but, like, they probably do, but. Not for long. A goat, then, because you can get milk from goats. That's true. You had a favorite cow. Cow's dead too. Sorry. Everything is dead. Yeah. So anyway, so the, the first thing that they run into is the Althor farm, which has been burned. They don't see a body, so they assume Tam is alive, which like always assume Tam is alive because he's a badass. Yeah. And when we get to Emmons Field later, and we, they're at the wine spring. One, Bran and Mara and Alvir have very different, but also very much small town person reactions to the Aiel and loyal. Yeah. But. They're like the Coffin Farm and the Althor Farm were burned down by White Cloaks. And so here's my thought now that I've read the entire section. We were having this conversation a little bit as we were both reading. But I think that the only reason that they know that the farms were built at, burnt down by White Cloaks is because Tam Althor survived. Yeah. I think because he was able to run and escape and get to the Coffin Farm before that happened, the only reason that... Everyone doesn't think that it was Trollocs too, was because of Tam Elthor. Yeah. Which go Tam. Yeah. Cause we get like indirect badassness from Tam because they're talking about it and apparently Tam saw them coming and shot six of them down with a bow before yep. disappearing into the woods and warning the coffins. Yep. And unfortunately And Abel Coffin also helped. Right. Abel Coffin is the only person in the two rivers who is as good with a bow as Tam Althor. Yeah. Although he says Tam is better. I don't think that's actually true. I think it's Abel Cawthon. I think just Tam has a better overall skill in weaponry in general, which is why it He's a blade master. Right. So, like, yeah, on pure bow skill, he might actually, Abel Cawthon might actually be better. But because Tam is a blade master, he just operates at a different level. Right. And Tam's a soldier. Yeah. It's just a wholly different like it's kind comparison, of, right? It's he has the he knows about how the flame of the void works, right? He taught it to Rand, very yeah. fortunately, but he taught it to Rand, and so he knows that he knows how to like find a kind of meditative peace in fighting, and which is ironic, but helps when trying to aim. Yeah, he knows how to still himself. That's what it is. He, he can still himself. So that's the the first Tam thing. We get, we're, we should just jump right into it. Perrin's having a rough time. Poor Perrin. They, Bran sits him down and talks about the Cawthon and Althor farms and, like, has to hold back a little bit. But then he's like, Perrin, your family's dead. Yeah. Um, it's it, rough. It takes a second for it to sink in for Perrin, too. Yeah. Like, he sits there. He's like, they're gone. Where'd they go? <laughs> like, oh, no. Poor boy. <laughs> And I think it didn't hit me all that hard, I think, because you warned me that something heavy was going to happen. So I anticipated the absolute worst. Right. I was like, oh, Fael's dead. 
Like, that's nope. what's happening this section. Or nope. Gaul. Like, I was just... <laughs> I was preparing myself Loyal. for either... You told me that Loyal wasn't dead. I think if that ever happens, it's not a I need to know right this second if Loyal ever dies, uh-huh. but like, I'm gonna need a spoiler warning for that uh-huh. one before it happens. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Loyal deserves the world. He does. Especially because later, once Perrin has like, oh, this is a real thing that has happened. Yeah, he, he gets, he like breaks down. Yeah. Because why wouldn't he? His whole family's dead. He breaks down. There's some nice stuff with Faila that we'll talk about. Yeah. And then when they're, like, kind of getting set to set off to find... I don't remember if they're setting off to find Tam and Abel. No, they're just setting off to find a place to stay that's not at the inn. Yeah. And so they go to the kitchen, and Loyal's there drinking out of a soup bowl. (laughs) As a cup. As a cup, you know, as as an O'Hear does. And he... Is like, I'm so sorry to hear about your family. And this is the one moment where I'm glad I'm listening to the audiobook because I, I don't like the male narrator, but I like his loyal voice. So I just, I hear loyal being like, I'm so sorry about your family. I'll sing to the trees if you want me to. Yeah. And it's just like. Because they're buried. So they're buried under the apple trees that they grew. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such a nice loyal. It's like a nice wholesome-ish moment. It's, it's. Wholesome, but it's also about mourning. But it's it's like an act of service. It's... Right. Loyal wants to help, and he wants to he wants to make a gravesite for yeah. Perrin's family that will last. Yeah. And so he offers to sing to the apple trees that they're buried under, and it's just it's so nice. Loyal's love language is acts of service. Yes. <laughs> that is <laughs> absolutely one hundred percent, and that's also Perrin's. Yeah. Fagigals, I feel like, is physical touch. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Just based she... on purely the amount of times she smacks Perrin upside the head, and also her instinct was to just pull his face right into her bosom so yeah. that he could cry. <laughs> right. He, like, refuses to break down around the Alviers, and then they, they, they leave to give him some space. They, no, he broke down before they left. He tried not to. He tried not to, but the... Bosom. Yeah. And so he's, he's like... He's trying not to, but then she did that and it just it broke him. And then everyone... Was like, okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> let's not let's not witness this huge-ass man crying. <laughs> Into his girlfriend's bosom. Yeah. So, like, and, and the one the one thing I like about this, I don't like the parents' family died. It makes it... It's just sad. Let, let parents sad. have a good time. Is it, I think, is a little bit of payoff for the slightly overdrawn tension between Perrin and Fael. Yeah, because he pretty immediately is like, all right, I'm not going to go submit myself to the White Cloaks. I'm also not going to send you away again. And, like, I'm still going to try to, like, keep you out of danger. So I might send you away, like, briefly. Yeah. But I will come, unless I'm dead, I will come back. (laughs) Like, it's not a permanent I'm breaking up with you. It's a, hey, maybe don't run into battle. Can you just, like, stay back right. while I go infiltrate a thing? And then she's like, no, you can't. I'm like, no, I can't. Right. He's like, all right, fine. Then stick to my shadow. Yeah. Like- <laughs> and it, this event kind of changes the tone of their relationship for the better. Yeah. Where instead of constantly trying to fight each other and be at each other's throats and just, like, they're basically one-upping, one-upping each other the entire time before this. And here, they're, they're still that. That still happens. Yeah. But I think it is at a place of 
they are kind of invested in each other. It before their antagonistic nature to each other was starting to lean a little bit more towards like enemies to lovers tone of yeah. the antagonistic behavior. Now their antagonistic behavior towards each other has this undercurrent of love and understanding, which hits yeah. differently. And it's still it very grumpy sunshine because she's like picking at him and he's just like grumble, grumble, grumble. And yeah. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I can but confirm I think, that it will not. <laughs> good. I do love a good grumpy sunshine. But, yeah, it was a little bit over the top for a little bit. But I think yeah. it... Fayil was kind of in the right. Perrin was being dumb. He was. And she was picking at him a little harder than she maybe should have. But it's also yeah. Perrin. And he, we've determined that the Two Rivers men are wildly stubborn. So you need an equally stubborn woman to deal with them. Yes. And Fail is that woman. Which uh, Gaul says something before this happened. Or maybe it was... La- I don't remember where it was. But basically, like... After. After the dream. So before he finds yeah. out about his family, they're... They camped for the night. He had a weird dream. Now they're traveling again. And Gaul's like, she's basically got the temperament of a maiden. If a maiden loves you, there's no running from that. Just accept it. (laughs) Right. They're very experienced at running away from men, which gives them great skill in running towards men, it seems. Yes. And so he's like, I don't know why you're bothering. Just accept it. You clearly like her. Like, just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Gaul coming in with with the advice. Yep. Gaul is great. Gaul is a wise man. And there's actually a little bit of a hint, which I find surprising because I kind of forgot about this, in this section that Gaul is maybe next in line to potentially be a clan chief. Yeah, there's a mention of him knowing things and being calm and having a different outlook on stuff, and which is why they want him to yeah. go through the doorways or the, right. the columns. And we know that it's not guaranteed. Like, Aiel clan chiefs earn it. Yeah. More than you would expect from the Aiel. And, like, like, they literally go through a trial that they can potentially not come back from. I think Gaul could survive it. I think Gaul could, too. Especially now. Now that he's seen the rest of the world, I think he could could relatively easily do it. And he's just got, like, this easygoing temperament where I think the information that you would learn through the columns, especially for an Aiel, it would shake him, but it wouldn't completely destroy the foundation. Yeah. Here's a question. What do you think, like, do you think that that is a, going to be a, is, is that a common thing you think that would happen to most Aiel? Like, most Aiel would kind of have a crisis and go away if they went through the columns. I think so. Okay. I don't think, I think that's why it's such an important test for you to be a clan chief. Okay. If, if anyone could go through it, why bother having it be a test? Sure. Okay. It's like passing the bar. I yell at lawyers confirmed. <laughs> like, the bar exam is hard. Going to law school is hard. They make it hard on purpose. Okay. Because they want to make sure that if you go, th- if you manage to get through law school and pass the bar exam, you earned it. And you think that the same principle applies to clan chiefs? Yeah. Okay. I think, I'm not sure how the columns work. I don't know if you're able to go backwards through them and be like, no, fuck this, I'm done. I don't think so, or else the guy that Rand went through with probably would have. Unless he was stubborn enough to keep trying, even though he was clearly having time. He was, like, crawling. By the end of it, he was not on his feet crawling forward. And I think that is a little bit maybe a rare occurrence or 
like I just feel like they meant uh, the wise women mentioned that if you do come back, it's not necessarily guaranteed that you're still a clan chief because you might be crazy. So okay, like because there's three mm-hmm. options, which means that the I went through the columns, I survived, and I'm not crazy. Now I'm a clan chief mm-hmm. is 33 percent chance. Okay, or <laughs> assuming they're all even. Assuming they're all even. Yeah. That there's three options, assuming that they're all even, that's still a 33% chance. That's kind of rare. Yeah, okay. There is something else to it that we get revealed pretty soon. But I feel like Gaul could do it. I think Gaul could do it as well. He's got the temperament for it. He does. He's very even, yeah. even-tempered. And he's willing to not, look at things differently. Uh, not unsurprisingly, given that he is a stone dog, he is down to earth. Yes. He's down to earth, which I enjoy. I he also is a little bit like the grumpy, but like not super grumpy. Yeah. But he's got just like the I don't know. He's like a com he's like a the midway point between Lan and Perrin, I feel like. Okay. In terms of like I hadn't thought about it like that, but stone, I like that. <laughs> like in terms of like stoicism. Cause Perrin's not really stoic. No. He's grumpy. Lan he's, isn't grumpy. He's, he's stoic. stoic. He's sometimes pretty grumpy. <laughs> He's sometimes pretty grumpy. But, like, when you're dealing with Moraine and Nynaeve, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> like, the person you've basically married, you're ba- the person you're basically married to is Moraine, and the person you're in love with is Nynaeve. Yeah. You get to be grumpy. You, you said the person you're basically married to, and that made me think that I kind of wonder what the show's going to do with, with Bonding a Warder. I don't know. I don't know like, how I, that works yet. Especially given... I still don't know how the warder bond works. True. And, like... It's just a weave. Um, is it? Yeah. Okay. That's all. That's it? Yeah. That's but they changed, they <laughs> changed the oath rod a little bit in the show, and we got that really good scene out of it. The lesbian wedding? The lesbian wedding. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if in the show... Actually, I kind of wonder if it's a thing in the books and we just never see it. If there are oaths associated... If the, like there's definitely a ceremony, and I would be interested to see what like a warder's oaths would be. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because I could see it taking a very like wedding angle because it it is sort of. I mean, the lesbian wedding wasn't actually a wedding, but like you're you're basically a warder is less restricted, but an Aes Sedai is essentially promising to protect her warder with her life. Yeah, that it's a, an explicit exception to the three oaths, and we get some perspective from Alana in this section when she mentions her warder dying. Yeah. And she's like, I felt every second of it and I just right. could not get there or else I would have absolutely destroyed whoever was doing it to him. Right. But I didn't and now I can't because I can't use my power for revenge. Right. I absolutely could have used it to slaughter whoever was killing my warder, but... Right. And <laughs> this, like, show Alana popped into my head and she absolutely would. Yeah destroy someone. Yeah, this is interesting. So we, we meet Alana in this section. Which We've is, met her before. Uh, oh, that's true. But we get more time with Alana than we did. Because at the end of Egwene's accepted test, where we see her for the first time, it's basically she's comforting Elaine, not Elaine, Egwene, and that's Asking it. her a bunch of weird questions. Al- Alana is sus. <laughs> which I don't like because I love her in the show. I can see how show Alana gets to this point though. Of being sus. Not not of being sus. I think you're just I think you're just suspicious of Aes Sedai because immediately before we meet Alana is the hey, there are a lot of black aja. Which That's is fair. fair. 
And the two people that we've met her in their POVs is Egwene, who is suspicious of all eyes that I. Right. And, and Perrin, Perrin, who is suspicious of all eyes that I. Especially when one is looking at him like he's some sort of piece of meat. And then yeah. she says, don't worry, I won't bond you against your will. Not yeah. yet. And Varen's like, watch yourself all around Alana. <laughs> but I took that, even the first time I read it, I took that to mean more she's kind of warder happy. She lost a warder. She's a little unstable. Yeah. Because she she lost a warder, and that's a, that's a destabilizing event. And so Varen's like, be careful. Yeah. She'll snap you up. I do have to say, though, if the show permanently kills one of Alana's warders, uh, yeah. I will riot. I think that's coming. No! I don't know who. They love each other. They do love each other. They that's all, what makes it painful. They all love each other. And that's that would be part of what Steppen dying would set up. Uh, it's it, it's it's good writing. I think That's I'd be more writing. honestly. I think I'd be more upset for the other warder because they clearly love each other. That's fair. <laughs> and I'm just like they're no. they're having the same experience. Alana is involved, but having a different experience because she's she holds all the power. She holds literally. all the power, and she's gonna outlive her warders. Right. Like even so, if I feel worse. I feel worse for the two for the other warder who they're clearly like in love. Right. They're all like. This lovely little in love triad. Yeah. Which is not really a thing in the books. Not explicitly. It could be. It, it could it's just, be. It's, it's just Perrin's perspective. One of them is dead. Yeah. Like, we don't get any, we don't even get enough to make it, like, implied canon. It's not like, yeah. it's not like Soiree. True. It's not. Well, Soiree is almost sort of canon in New Spring, I think. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But, like, there's enough information in what I've read so far that I understand the Soiree ship. Yeah. Very much the same as, like, I completely understand other book series' aligning characters together. Like, yeah. if there's enough information and it's just not confirmed, cool. Yeah. About the time that we meet the Aes Sedai and their borders is, well, right before that we meet Tam and Abel Coffin again. Yes. Who we learn ran off to the White Tower to demand to know where their sons were. We already knew that. Did we? Yeah. Oh, right. Swan, Swan told Matt. Swan told Matt. We learn that they were very insistent, though. Yes. And I just love, like, I love this they have friendship between Abel and, Ta- and Tam. Because they're just like, all right, our sons are off with an Aes Sedai. Let's go to the White Tower. And they're like, okay. And they they're seem... going to, they nope off to the White Tower together. And then now they're just like noping around the woods. Yeah. <laughs> they seem like old friends. And it really, really comes out. Because they're just hanging out in the woods. They are. They're hiding from white cloaks. And now I can't stop thinking about the thing you started to research. Oh, yeah. Because of that. we were having an off an off uh, mic conversation. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if there's fan fiction. There is. Only one. <laughs> Only one. And it is about them it's being about in them the Westwoods. <laughs> Which, like, you Honestly, know. Honestly, I love that for them. Tam can have a little gay as a treat. <laughs> That's okay. I'm cool with it. <laughs> It doesn't, that literally changes nothing. What was the other tag that you put? Was it Nynaeve? Tam? Was it Nynaeve can have a little pining as a treat? Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I hope that's a wrangled tag because I just need that in my life on AO3. I don't know what but a wrangled tag is. Basically, this is totally not what this podcast is about, but there are freeform tags that you can just like randomly put in. Mm-hmm. And then if enough people use that tag, AO3's tag wranglers will kind of make it okay. an official navigatable tag. Okay. 
and they'll sometimes merge tags so like you can still type it one way. Uh-huh. Like if you said college AU or you typed in alternate universe college, they would both wrangle to the same thing okay. even if you type them in differently. Okay. But I really cool. hope Nynaeve deserves a little pining as a treat mm-hmm. as like a wrangled tag. I doubt it. There aren't very many. There's not a whole large amount of Wheel of Time fan fiction. There are not. Anyway, Tam could have by dad energy and I'd be all about it. Yeah. 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 I'm for, I'm for by dad. That's totally fine with me. Tam. As, as long as he can kick ass, I don't care. Yeah. It's all he needs to be able to do. The show did him a little dirty by not even having him take out one trollic. Yeah, I feel the like show did needed... a lot of dads dirty. Because <laughs> Abel Cawthon is like this stand-up good guy. I am s- now. I'm mad with you about yeah. the show. I get why you're mad. Yeah, like yes, it's a minor it, thing. It's if... a minor thing. I'm more mad for Abel than I am for Matt's character about it. Yeah, like, Abel deserves better than that. Yeah, because he's just taken over. He's like him and Tam both look at Perrin and they're like, "You don't have a dad anymore. Now you have two. Yeah, and they're both <laughs> they're both just super non toxic, because one, they're the right amount of deferential to the Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. who like you should be deferential towards. They're fucking Aes Sedai. Yep. They're but they're not like rolling over. No, they're like you know they're hunting and they insist on giving. Right, they're paying for they're paying the Aes Sedai for the to healing help them. That, yeah, they're like trying to keep it as equitable as possible, but they're still being respectful. Right, like fair. They're treating with the, them with respect, but not necessarily deference or yeah. and, and like with a healthy dose of <laughs> healthy dose of fear. Yeah, because they're still Aes Sedai. But then even later, when Heron kind of starts to take charge, they both naturally take. A, a step back. Yeah, Perrin's just like, oh, sorry, I didn't. They're like, no, you got it. You're yeah. good. <laughs> Up until they get to the Alcine farm, it had been Tam and Abel leading. And then after he gives his speech at... Which was the quote from yeah, the beginning the of this episode. After Perrin gives his speech to kind of rally the various Alcines, they're both just like, okay, Perrin can handle this. We're going to support him. And he notices that they they haven't been calling him lad at all anymore. Yeah. Like... They're viewing him as an adult, and it's something that he also noticed when he went to the inn, and the Alviers, like, gave him, like, a big glass of brandy. And he's like, yeah. am I an adult now? Which, like, <laughs> that one <mood>. could That <laughs> one could just be, your parents died. But also, the, am I an adult now, is a whole ass mood. Yeah. Because I am 28 years old, and sometimes <laughs> I still go, am I an adult? Right. Like, I, we're married. I have a 401k. We are married. We are married, and we've been married for, like, two years. What? How'd like, we, like, signed papers and shit. That's, we like, did. legal. We're adults. And I feel like Perrin's going to have that yeah. same mentality when he probably eventually marries Fayil, because I'm pretty sure that happens, <laughs> just based on things that your mom has said. He has, a, he has a wife. Unless Fayil dies soon, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and guess that he gets married to Fayil. Yeah. That's a safe assumption. I'm not confirming or denying. That's fair. Read and find out. <laughs> Definitely not the first time I've said that this season at all. No, I'm proud that you remembered that this wasn't the first time you said it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so they they take a step back and they do it without asking, without fighting. They're just like, he is the leader. We're going to be happy with it. We're happy to help him. Yep. He's got a mission and we're just going to yeah. let him. Now, some of that, as Varen points out, is probably his Taviran nature because it does not it takes a little bit of convincing for the Alcines who first were like hey we're suspicious of everybody hey we're gonna stay here listen to the, the white cloaks suck but we're gonna listen to them and Lord Luke who's giving bad advice 
And then it, it takes a, only a little bit for Perrin to be like, nah, you should go to Emmonsfield so that you're all in one place and you're less spread out. And they're like, okay, by the way, can we help you fight the White Cloaks? I think that's his Tavir in nature. I don't want to discount his effect, like that effect on specifically just Ham and Abel. I think they their willingness to let him lead is because they've watched him grow up and they see that he's different now. Yeah. And that so, has nothing to do with his Tavira nature. I think it's two things. I think they that the impulse to let him lead is his Tavira nature. How they handle it is all them. Nah, I'm going to go ahead and say it's just <laughs> because they're like, yeah, Perrin, go. Because like, he, he gives this speech... And it's a good speech. And so how I read it is they were like, oh, well, you took charge and we didn't interrupt you because we wanted to see where you were going with it. And you went well with it. So we're just going to keep letting you do. That's fair. And it seemed, at least from how Perrin was thinking about it, that like if he was starting to really fuck up, they would have stepped in. But he was still going good. True. Which that might be his severe in nature. Who the hell who knows? Hell, who the hell knows? <laughs> also, you brought up Lord Luke. Like, he's... He's the Slayer, right? That's what I'm thinking. Why do you think that? Just, like, you walk in and (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a full... I just have vibes. And the vibe is... (laughs) The vibe is there's this random person who, according to the summaries, is a supposed hunter of the horn. Well, Fayil expresses some doubt. Fayil has some doubt. Basically, before they even get to Emmons Field... The wolves are like, hey, there's a guy in Evans Field killing wolves. <laughs> then you get to the field, then you get to Evans Field, and the Alviers are like, yeah, there's a hunter of the horn here. His name is Lord Luke, and he's really fancy, and he's been staying in the two rivers. Hmm. <laughs> okay. And then you find out that he's been going to all these farms and giving really bad advice. Yep. Hmm. Yep. He's flirting with Fail right in front of Perrin. Hmm. Yep. And she also, flirts back. He, she does that. I, Talk about that in a second. But also, Lord Luke seems to recognize Perrin. Okay. Okay. And the, and the Slayer on the Hill looked at Perrin for a good long while and then dashed in the other direction. So how would Lord Luke recognize Perrin? I don't know. He's the Slayer. Interesting take. I'm going to hit you with the second of the episode because <laughs> I can count now, read and find out. Uh, I do love that um, Fayil flirted with Lord Luke to make Perrin. Yeah. Not really to make him jealous. It was more to needle him a little bit more. Because he got jealous when some... Will Alcine. When Will Alcine was, like, kind of flirting with her. And he's just, like, put an arm around her. Yeah. And Fayel's just like, ah, Perrin. And then she does it again. And she realizes that that's probably a bit too far. Yeah. After the speech, she's like, I'm sorry I did that. Yeah. Which, like, I appreciate... The apology. Yeah. The first one was just Perrin being jealous. She yeah. was not doing anything to right. encourage that. The first one, Fayel absolutely not in the wrong. The second one, she's a little bit in the wrong. Because she knew what she was doing. Perrin's not in the wrong in the first one either. He's just no. jealous. It's fine. Because this is a known serial smiler, I guess. <laughs> that counts for something in the two rivers. Smiling at women. Smiling at women. I mean... He's best friends with Matt. He's probably think also a serial smiler. Something tells me Matt doesn't do very well with Two Rivers women. I feel like he either doesn't or he thinks he does, and they're just like, 
he's fun, but like not gonna. He's probably not doing too much coddling in the two rivers, or he probably didn't do too much coddling in the two rivers. Maybe not. Maybe his awakening didn't come until after in the books. In the show, clearly it's happened. His awakening. Yes. His bi awakening. His bi awakening. His absolute slut energy. <laughs> I just need more slutty men. <laughs> Maybe in the books that hasn't happened. Maybe it happened when he left. Maybe. I mean, he clearly is a slut now. He's, He's cuddling this... with multiple different serving women in the in the stone. Yep. And they seem to be happy with it, so... And, and he's good enough to win a game of Maiden's Kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Matt. I think I see that you. I think that does imply that either he just has natural raw talent as a Tavirin, or, okay. or he sorry. has experience from... Hold up. What is his Tavirin nature do for him? Luck. He gets lucky. He gets lucky. <laughs> or he had some prior experience growing up in the Two Rivers. That's true. I wouldn't I be surprised it... if Matt was a lot of people's first kiss, is all yeah, I'm that's saying. True. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, back to the actual plot. From the Alcine farm, Perrin's speech gathers quite a crowd. Yeah. And they go to a couple other farms where he basically gives... They stop at every farm speech. they see on yeah. the way to the White Cloaks so that he can be like... At, Get out of here. Yeah, at the Alcine farm, he decides, basically, he's going to coalesce the two rivers into Emmons Field so that they can protect themselves. And yep. then he's going to go do something. <laughs> he's gonna, he's planning on just kind of fucking off after. Yeah. Which, like, I don't think that's going to work too well for him. No. He's but... gathering a lot of people. He's basically becoming a lord. Yeah. Like, that's what's happening. His Tavirin nature drives people to obey him. Or, like, follow him. Not really obey. Follow is the right, yeah. the right word. Anyway, at every farm, he gathers more and more young men to help him attack the White Cloaks and, and take their Two Rivers folk back. Basically. And they don't really attack. They do kind of do a, like, kind of three-man operation to yeah. go in. And they get them and then quickly get out. And then all of the men that he collected, like, some of them escort them back to make sure they got back safe. And then he takes the rest and they're like, we're going to go kill some Trollocs. Yep. I don't know that there are actually Trollocs. Yeah. We get a point. Well, okay. There's at least a Murdral. Okay. Yes. But, and like. And Dane Bornhold says that a gray man was going to kill him, was trying to kill him before Pat and Fane already stopped him. Yeah. So we can talk about that just a little bit. We get. Mostly we're in Perrin's head yeah. for this whole section. We get a smidge of Bane, Dane, Dane Bornhold, and a little bit of Ordeeth. Yeah. Pat Dane Bornhold does seem particularly resistant to Paddenfane. Despite spending a lot of time around him, he's not becoming any worse of a person than he already was. <laughs> like, he's not a great person, but he's in, I think he's grieving his father. He, yeah, he's not evil. No, he's just bad. Yeah. There's he's just a, a bad guy. He's just a bad person, but that doesn't make you evil. Like, right. evil incarnate. Patton Fane is it, yeah. evil. Yeah. Like, I I can't keep reading after I read a section of his. I have to put the book down and step that's away fair. for a bit. And he's an like, anxious and person. And that's why, like, it took me three days to read this section because I saw Pat and Fan. I was like, nope, I'm going to be done after this. <laughs> yeah. He just, like, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, so Dane seems to be particularly resilient, and I'm, I'm thinking that it's the strength of his convictions. Like, he's laser-focused on avenging his father's death. 
Yep. Which he thinks Perrin is responsible for. Which isn't necessarily wrong, but it no, is wrong. No, it's wrong. It was the Sean Chan. It was the Sean Chan. Perrin had nothing to do with that. True, but Perrin he was there did, and he, his friend blew the horn. Yeah, but that's not Perrin's fault. No. It's Matt. Of course he was going to blow a horn. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's Matt. He probably looks at it and goes, oh, what would this do? Pretty much. He walks through the stone doorway. He really doesn't fully know what it does. Yeah. He just kind of barrels in. We do get a little bit more on that. Um, yeah. So when Perrin has his dream, and we talked a little bit of, a bit about the Slayer thing, and he has his hammer in the dream, yeah. and it flickers to the axe for half a second, and then back to the hammer, yep. which means which like solidifies the reader's point of view that like this is the world of dreams because he's able to try to make changes. Yeah. Well, also he ran into Egwene in the last book. And that could have I, like. That he's actually able to control, like, yeah. people end up in the world of dreams, but that doesn't mean they're able to cognitively, like, have any change. That's true. It seems he that was, parents he, able to. When he fell victim to the Turangriol in The Dragon Reborn, though, he recognized it as the wolf dream. Hopper was there. He fell victim to a Turangriol? Yeah, when Fael did. Oh, yeah. That yeah. happened. So we, we had confirmation before this, but this, to me, the ham- is it's just a symbol for him struggling with his identity. But well, I mean, it's on him. Or at least con- confirmation that he's starting to master this talent of being in the dream world. Yeah, he, that he's or, able to. I think it's more he's starting to have a base level of control. Yeah, because there's some crazy shit that's possible in the world of dreams. That's true. Uh, we've seen the Aiel dreamers do uh, within the limited amount of time we spent with them. We've seen them do some pretty crazy things. But we get some information about the Tower of Genji, which I'm not really still sure what that is. But there's mention of it being like a door to the Aelfin and the Eelfin and a game of snakes and foxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that... What is the game of snakes and foxes? Shoots and ladders. Okay. Like, actually, it's shoots and ladders. Okay. But Wheel of Time, it... Okay, so... Yeah. There's, like, you know, you just kind of... There's no way to win shoots and ladders without cheating. There's no way to win snakes and foxes without cheating. I mean, there's no there's no skill needed to win shoots and ladders other than just you got to have a luck of... It's kind of like Candyland. Yeah. There's no... That's why it's a great Candy game Land's to play. Candyland's not a game. Candyland is not a game. That's why it's great to play with little children because there's no way that they can be good or bad at Candyland. You can't be Candy. good or bad at Candyland. You just demolish a child of Candyland like I could any other game. Right. Because children suck and... <laughs> At games. I'm not going to say blanket children suck because I don't think that. But they're not good at games usually. Well, they need to learn. I don't hold back. No, you don't. They're going to learn when they play with me. But Candyland and Snakes and Ladders, Shoots and Ladders. Snakes and Ladders. I feel like that's a thing. I feel like I've seen that. I feel like that's an older version of it. It is. There's no skill. Right. You can't be good or bad at Shoots and Ladders or Candyland. Yeah. Unless you cheat. Yeah. But apparently, the Elfin and the Elfin are behind, they're inside the Tower of Genji, Genji, however you pronounce it. Yeah. That's where they are? So I guess that's where the doorway leads to? Yeah. There's not much. Brigitte says, don't go there. It's impossible to get out in the real world. It's harder to get out in the real world. And it's impossible to get out in the dream world. So, like, why did the Slayer, like, where the Slayer went in there? I was actually thinking about that, and I meant to look, I meant to look it up, and I didn't. I have a theory that we don't get to confirm for a long time. So maybe the Slayer isn't Lord Luke. Maybe. Because if he's in there... Read and find out. Hey. 
<laughs> really, the question I, I have, having read the series, is why on earth did Slayer run away from Perrin? Like, why? He must have orders. Or he's just some random guy killing wolves. Yeah, I don't know anything about him other than I think it's Lord Luke. That's fair. Just because law of large numbers and Tavirin. <laughs> Tavirin, yeah. Tavirin. Tavirin is Tavirin the best kinda, way to avoid plot holes. Tavirin kind of makes it so that it has to be Lord Luke, right? Does it? Yeah, because like, could what be are, someone else important. What are the odds that Perrin runs into one random guy in a dream and then runs back to the Emmons field and a new random guy is there? What are the odds that if he's Tavirin, they're not the same person? You don't know that Lord Luke isn't important in other ways later in the series. There are ten more books. I'm just saying... Two new characters were introduced within the same chapter. One in the dream world and one in the real world. In the they... same chapter. There's like a couple chapters in between. Okay, whatever. But like same section. Just saying. Okay. Interesting take. They're at the Tower of Genji. Or they were at the Tower of Genji. Brigitte is kind of... She seems to be like flirting some sort of rule because a figure shows up and is like, no, stop talking to Perrin. He doesn't actually say it. I didn't remember there being an actual figure. I thought she Perrin just... sees a shadow... Mm. There was another person there. Something's going on with Brigitte in the dream world. Hopper didn't see anyone. Hopper didn't see anyone, which is interesting. There, there. This Hopper. dream world section has a lot of stuff that I don't fully understand myself. There's, a, the, yeah, the, you see a bunch of like windows into a bunch of his friends. Yeah, he sees Egwene. Who seems, I don't know, I don't remember much of that. I didn't write all of it down, but... Honestly, the window stuff is less important because it's all, it's less direct than the dreamer stuff. Although, clearly it's related. I mean, it's in the dream, so that is the dreamer stuff. A little different. Dreamers are, dreamers have more concrete visions than Perrin does. Yeah, but like, I'm talking just in, I'm saying it's all in the dream. Therefore, Ah, it's all to do with, it's all, it's all the same. It is part of that dream sequence. Okay. It's together. Yeah. Same shit. <laughs> <laughs> same shit, different flavor. Yeah. Okay. Like, all of it's together in the same thing. So, he yeah. like, has some weird visions of his friends, and then there's a tower. That's basically all that was there. Yeah. I think the only thing that's important to note is the snakes and foxes reference. Yeah. Uh, that is very important. Snakes and foxes, because they are snakes and foxes. But also, the game comes up several more times. So, one thing that we have entirely forgotten to mention and I would it would be ironic for us not to as we scrolled through the notes <laughs> we get justice for Tomas in this Tomas. episode Tomas he speaks he speaks he's kind of gruff he's a warder <laughs> big surprise him we, and Baron are together yep they're hanging out he's got a great horse Perrin yep. comments on it several times yeah the quality of Tomas's horse yep he speaks, though. He exists and is a real person. Tomas. That's all the impact he makes. Tomas. I'm sure they'll come up later. They're kind of setting up like a stand in the two rivers against either Trollocs or White Cloaks. And like, if there are Aes Sedai there, they're probably going to help. Especially if it's Trollocs, because like they can just be completely unleashed if the Trollocs are there. Right. And I, so I mentioned that I don't necessarily know that there are Trollocs. So we can talk about the Pad and Fane stuff a little bit. Pat and Fane clearly is the, like, one who is driving this destroying all the farms shit. He's got this faction of White Cloaks that are following only him, not Dane Bornhold. Like, he's clearly corrupted a bunch of people. He's got influence. I don't know that there are actually that many Trollocs. 
You think it's just Pat and Fane stoking fear? Yeah, I think he's either making it look like Trollocs or he does have a murder all chained up. So maybe he's controlling Trollocs now. He might have a fist of Trollocs. But it's not it's not two separate things. It's not, okay, I've got to go defeat the White Cloaks and then I've got to go defeat Pat and Fane. No, it's all Pat and Fane. Yeah. Whether he's using the Trollocs as a tool or... Well, I think it is two separate things. Just right now, Pat and Fane is the White Cloaks. Because regardless of dealing with Pat and Fane, Dane Pornhold exists. No, I didn't say White Cloaks. I said Trollocs versus Pat. It's not, oh, I've got to okay, go kill okay. the Trollocs. Now I've got to deal with Pat and Fane and the White Cloaks. It's you just... Think it's, it's all Pat, just and, Pat Fane. and Fane. Okay. He's... Uh, Pat and Fane is the one orchestrating this. Dane Bornhold isn't doing shit. He happened... It was easier for Pat and Fane to get him to go to the Two Rivers because Pat and Fane... Or because Dane Bornhold already had a reason to go. Yeah. Pat and Fane is the orchestrating thing here. Yeah. He is controlling... He is using the White Cloaks as a tool. He is using the Trollocs as a tool. He's got a murder all chained up. Yeah. Pat He's and Fane... torturing a murder all again, which is always a good thing. Pat and Fane is the villain of this book. Yeah. 100% yes. Like, if he's around... Everything can be brought back to him. Yeah, it's not good. And all the all the white cloaks that he's corrupting, he's having like a visual effect on it. Like they're they look worse. Yeah. They don't maintain their armor as well. Like Bornhold notes that like his white cloaks are they keep their uniforms clean, or they're polished, they're put together, there's no rust on any of their weapons. Like they're they're bad people, but they're not evil. <laughs> I, I think they're kind of evil. It's just a human evil. Because it's it's very, it's, it makes sense that Pat and Fane, or more death, whoever he is now, is with the White Cloaks. Because they're kind of the same evil as Shadow Logoth. Just not in a city. Not totally insular. Because it's, you know, suspicion of your fellow people, no matter what. I just hesitate to call White Cloaks, white cloaks evil when there's Pat and Fane. <laughs> They are not evil on the Pat and Vane scale, but they are, I think, a step or two down the Shatter Logoth more, more death. I feel like the path. level of evil that the White Cloaks are are more the realm of, like, some of the people you see on Criminal Minds who are just, like, they're human. It's a human evil, which is sometimes scarier than non-human evil. Yeah. Like, but I think you have to keep in mind that that's where more death started. Mordeth is an uh, is like a mass of hatred for people. And but he's the now Shadow. now he's a whole mythical being. So yeah, and I think the White Cloaks are on that on that scale. Maybe they're the one on a one to ten scale, but they're on the scale. Whereas like the two rivers folk aren't even on the scale. I feel like well, that just makes them bad people, not evil. I think they the, the two rivers are solidly good people. Yeah, I think they. And could. on a whole, I feel like mostly the White Cloaks as an organization is neutral. Mm. They're leaning more towards being bad now because all of the people that were good and in, in They also are very quick to falsely accuse and jump on people who are falsely accused of being dark friends. Like yeah, I said, but they're not evil on a Pat and Fane scale. They're not. That doesn't make them evil. That just makes them have like a very strict code. They're not doing it maliciously. Evil implies maliciousness. And Pat and Fane is malicious. Fair. Intent I think matters. If intent does matter, but I saw them were doing it with negative intent. That's why I'm just. I think that's if the specific they were person, on though. a D and D alignment chart, Pat and Fane is like far in the right corner, the lower right corner of chaotic evil, 
And they're like solidly, the White Cloaks are solidly in the middle of lawful evil. I disagree. I don't think they're lawful neutral. I think that they're kind of evil. They're just not, they're not cosmically black and white evil. They're a, they're a shade, they're a dark shade of gray. Yeah, I think I disagree. That's fair. Either way, they suck. Yes. Either way, they're bad. I just yeah. don't want to call them evil because they're not, they think they're doing things with a good purpose. Patton Fain knows what he's doing is wrong and he enjoys it and he's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He's and we do get confirmation. He's got a murder all chained up and he's torturing it. Yeah. Poor Dave. Poor Honestly, Dave. poor Dave. Oh, uh, no. Murdral can take it wherever the hell they want. Or wherever the hell. I would not. Whoever wants to give it to him. I would not wish Padden Fan on my worst enemy. He's worse than colonoscopy prep. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Which I also would not wish on my worst enemy. He's not nice. And he's clearly orchestrating all of this. Yes. He killed Perrin's family. Yep. And, like, it's kind of implied from what we've seen of Padden Fan before that he probably took some twisted pleasure in doing it. Probably he 1,000% did. Yeah, like it's not Rand's family who we would have been losing his shit over. But he, the fact that every single one of parents' family members yeah. is dead. He parents, got, sisters, but, cousins, uncles, nephews. Not nephews. He doesn't have any, he didn't have any sisters. No, he's the oldest. Yeah. Um, but he, it's kind of like when you are watching like court TV and someone's like, yeah, they were stabbed 80 times. Do you know how long it takes to stab someone 80 times? A lot, but not as long as you're thinking. At a certain point, you decided you're going to keep stabbing. Yes, that's, that's true. That's usually the, de- like, it's not, it's no longer self-defense if you stab someone 80 times because you chose yeah. to keep stabbing. At some, do you know how long it probably would take Pat and Fane to kill and torture Perrin's entire family? Long-ass time. He got pleasure out of it. Yeah. It would have just been Tam if it was Rand's family. He probably would have been really disappointed. I feel like he would have done some really nasty shit to Tam, though. Like, worse than he would have done to the Ibarras. Yeah, but just the amount of time he would have spent on either one. Yeah. There is no way Tam could have survived that long. Maybe. We don't... Mordeth is old as shit. He might know some really twisted ways to torture people. Maybe. Pattenfane's creepy. Yeah. Whatever he is now is not good at all. Nope. Real bad time. Real bad time. Please, I do not want it. And he says nothing can kill him, which just is... I think that's just arrogance. It doesn't make him less creepy. No. Because, like, part of him is... I didn't say that as in a, I believe him, that he's never going to be able to be killed. I think he thinks he's never going to be able to be killed. Which is awful! Yeah. Because he's, like, part Mordeth now, so he's part this... Like, almost primordial evil that lived in Shadar Logoth. He's like, yeah, I've been alive since the Trolloc Wars. Nothing can kill me. And he, I've got a murder all chained up in my basement. He what lived up? through the Black Wind and is mostly sane. He's about as sane as he was going into it. Let's put it that way. So he's not sane. He's just functional. Yeah. It's not good. And he seems to have some sort of kinship with the Black Wind now. Which is also not which good. Which yikes. Where did the name Ordeeth come from? It means wormwood in the old tongue. Where did the name Ordeeth come from? He just picked it. It's supposed to be like a little tongue-in-cheek. Like, oh, hey, look, he is a... He's Ordeeth. It's a fancy-sounding name, but it means rotting wood. So he's kind of rotting. He's he's rotting the white cloaks from the inside. Yeah, okay. So. 
There's that. I'm not calling him Morty. That's dumb. No, it's Pat and Fane. Pat and Fane. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, that's Pat and Fane, right? Yeah, that's Pat and Fane. <laughs> okay, he's evil, right? Yeah. Yep. That's that's the Alvier's conversation with Parrot. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Pat and Fane's here. And he's like, he's a dark friend. They're like, yeah, we guessed that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Uh-huh. I think it's time for some recurring segments. We did not really discuss much about the prison break. Oh, that's true. They break them out. Uh, there's a big dude who Fayil knocks unconscious. Yep, because, like, he kind of knocks her to the side and is going after Perrin, and she's just, like, bonk. Yep. And knocks him over, and Perrin's, like, looking at her with, like, okay. And she's like, he didn't think to do anything else besides knock me over. His mistake. Right. (laughs) It's just, like, I can just imagine the little bit of heart eyes Perrin has in that moment. (laughs) And it's fitting. I really wish that that in the show, if that happens, that that happens in front of Allsbet Luhan. Yes. Because that has frying pan energy if I've ever seen it. It does. <laughs> yeah, we, for a podcast that respects Elizabeth Lujan in this house, we did not talk about her at all yet. So no. we need to remedy that. Yep. She also knocks someone out. <laughs> she does. She just fucking they let her, they, like, they, I think Perrin lets her free first. And he's like, get everyone else. And then she knocks some guy unconscious. And yeah, Lujan's. Elizabeth Lujan cracking skulls. I wouldn't I'm fuck about with her. it. I wouldn't either. You kidding me? She would. She'd kill me with a frying pan. <laughs> she. She killed the trollic with a frying pan. And I love I'm that for her. Just a squishy little man. <laughs> Not really little. You're no. six foot one. But... <laughs> I am tall. I am squishy. <laughs> yeah, you're quick, but not gonna beat a blacksmith wife nope. with a frying pan. Like no, nope. nope. I'm gonna die. Honestly, if okay. I if I could swing a frying pan, I think I could manage to kill you with a frying pan. They're big. Probably. It's a cat. I'm gonna guess it's a cast iron frying pan. If I could manage to wield that, <laughs> I'd kill. Yeah, I'd I'd manage to do it too. I don't think you could take me out with a frying pan. I mean, I can't. I can barely lift the frying pan that we've got. So no, I couldn't. But <laughs> I think even if you could lift it, okay. Are we talking a frying pan that you can lift? This is a weird direction for this podcast to go in. <laughs> Are you talking like a frying pan that is a frying pan that you can, like, you're not necessarily generally strong enough to lift a frying pan and swing it with force? Or, or like, are you built enough to lift and swing a heavy object? I got confused there. I'm just saying, if I could <laughs> wield a cast iron frying pan as a weapon, uh-huh. I think I could do some damage. Yeah. It's a cast it's iron a frying pan. I don't think I could take out a Trolloc. No. But, like... You couldn't even reach its head. No, I'm 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 a tiny little person. But like if there was an intruder in our apartment uh-huh. and I had the adrenaline enough yeah. to wield a frying pan as a weapon, yeah. I think I could take him out. Maybe. Maybe. I'd at least do significant brain damage. I'm not all that Luhan <laughs> and I can't kill a trollic with one go. <laughs> no. Which is why we respect her. <laughs> we respect all's that Luhan. Yes, we do. I don't really have much of a character description for Allsbet Luhan, but Other just than strong. She could get it. She could get it. I mean, she's, I, she she could crush me with her arms, and that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If you're able to kill a trollic with a frying pan, yeah, you, you can crush me with your arms. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No disagreement here. Yeah. So anyway, they they rescue the two rivers people. 
They run off and use some of the assembled youths to create a distraction. Yeah, they assembled youths do a distraction. Some of them make sure everyone gets back safe because they've got, like, all but Luhan and Master Luhan can hold their own, but there are several children and... Right, Matt's mother Matt's and sisters. Yeah, so, like, got to protect everyone. Yeah. Yep. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. That is everything from this section. I think so. Now it is actually recurring segment time, I think. Yeah, I think that's about it. First up is uh, not recurring segments first up is auras i think that the flowering trees around perrin is probably his his family dying and being yeah. under the apple blossoms i think that that's one that like maybe could have a couple different interpretations but this is the first one that has really been yeah like this is the first time trees have been associated with him and especially yeah. like if if loyal sings to the trees and yeah. Everything. So I think that's what this was probably referring to because this is right. a big moment. It is. And I feel like most of these visions are big moments. Yeah. In, like, not all of them are, but... Or at least, like, like defining plot points in that person's life. Like, I am in a cage. Gaul ended up, is ending up being a big part of Perrin's life. He is. So that is a big thing. The wolf, big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Matt's dagger... A big point. It changed his character arc. Yep. Like, so I think a lot of these visions are not necessarily like major plot points, but they're at least like notes of yeah. if you were going to go through and like pick out the important things about a person's life for a really, really, really long obituary. <laughs> Men's obituary services. <laughs> the visions are notable points. Meeting Fail, if yep. it's his first relationship, really. Yeah. Sort of. There's a mention. So they mentioned they mentioned Layla, Layla Dern. <laughs> this is the alternate universe in which they don't get married and he doesn't kill her. I am never not going to be mad about this. Yep. I am totally fair. I am going to be on my deathbed, and if someone brings up Perrin's wife Layla, I am going <laughs> to, to be mad about it. Yeah, that's fair. Because it was not so a great decision. Mad. I'm so mad. Yeah, they could have done it better. Anyway, uh, ship updates. I just love a good hurt comfort. So yeah. the, the Farron stuff is Farron. Yeah, I don't know what their ship name is, and I don't. I tried to Google it, and nothing came up with an official ship name. So okay, Farron it is. I was very specific in my Google search to not have anything come up. <laughs> but there is, since it's such a small fandom, there is probably not a page on the fandom wiki of official ship name lists. So yeah. Yeah, there is one for like Harry Potter. There's one for a bunch of other. Like I think I've seen one for Marvel because I was like, "What the heck is going on on my Tumblr feed? What is this couple ship name?" Yeah, that's fair. And I don't think there's one for Wheel of Time, so no. I'm gonna claim it's Farron. Sure, Farron. It also plays well because he's a blacksmith. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional, but it works. It does work. All right, what's your favorite moment? I think. It's either loyal offering to sing to the trees. Yep. Or something we did not really talk about this episode, but Marin and Abel bull- giving Fail and Perrin the same exact advice on how to deal with relationships yep. Let them separately. Win. Let them win when it isn't important so that you can win when it is important. <laughs> Which honestly, that's just sound advice. Yeah, like, it's not bad. It's like, don't be, basically it's don't be obstinate when you don't really need to be. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Yeah. Like, if you don't care, why are you fighting about it? Yeah. No, I, I 
It's not bad advice. But they were both giving it in a way of like, this is how you control the other person, <laughs> which is just funny to me. It's a, it's a very <laughs> women's circle, village council dichotomy thing. Yeah. It's like, that's the theme. What is your we're favorite there. movement? Loyal offering to sing to the trees. It's it's not a huge thing, but it just it's another point in the loyal is shaped like a best friend. Does column. it actually happen? I don't remember. Okay, because I'm going to be really sad if it doesn't. Like him offering is great, but I need it to actually happen. That's fair. Very very fair. I probably will cry. Maybe. Who knows? I don't for once because I just don't remember. I'm a great Wheel of Time fan. You are. How? Dare you not have an eidetic memory for the, everything I, that happens in these books? I know. Well, they run together after a while. Is how. Everything is already starting to run together, so yeah, I feel that. There are ten more books, and not all of them are this memorable. <laughs> and, like, I just, there are certain things, we're, like, halfway through now, and I cannot remember if some things happened in this book or the last book already. Yeah. Did the Rand and Egwene makeout thing happen in this book? Rand and Egwene or Rand and Elaine? Rand and Elaine. That was this book. That was this book. Okay. That was like three sections ago. It wasn't that long ago. Everything's starting to run together. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get through it. There's a lot. I'm enjoying this book a lot more than I did The Dragon Reborn, but everything is starting to run together. Yes. And time isn't real anymore. Time is not real. This whole series takes place over about two years. I... I don't understand how. Call bullshit on that, but that is not something we should get into today. True. All right. This was chapters 28 through 33 of The Shadow Rising. Next section is 34 through 38. Yep. Getting through it. Getting through it. Bye. Bye.